recording has started. Welcome back, Tradmen listeners. It's going to be an old, we're, we're going to kick it old school tonight, man. Just me and Jason, just like old times. How you been, dude? Pretty good. This this kind of makes me nervous. I've never just, I haven't talked to you one-on-one in a while. I know it's been a minute. <laughs> I, I think probably since the podcast gets a makeover was our last just episode, just the two of us. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if we'll be able to make an episode, just the two of us, if we're, uh, now there's some things we can, there's some things we've been wanting to bring up both of us. So hopefully we'll make a good episode, but as always, we're going to start with a quick prayer to the Holy ghost. So of those of you who are joining along uh, or listening along with us, please feel free to join us as we invoke the divine blessing and ask for wisdom, enlightenment, and all those great graces and and special gifts that the Holy spirit gives us uh, as we have an edifying and hopefully an edifying and fruitful discussion. In nomine Patris et Fili et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Veni Sancti Spiritus, repletur accorda fidelium et tui amoris in eis ignim accende. Imite Spiritum tuum et creabuntur. Et renovabis facem tere. Oremos. Deus qui corda fidelium Sancti Spiritus illustrationi docuisti. Da nobis iniorum spiritu recta sapere et de eo semper consolationi gadere per Christum Domino nostrum. Amen. Yeah. Et nomine Patris et Fili et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. So I, I found this cool thing I want to show you all first, because this got me thinking about confession. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, Jason and I, our parish uh, shares some land. The, the person who donated the land to the fraternity still lives on the property, and she has a sweet old lady, sweet old, sweet old lady. She has yeah. a menagerie of animals. Um, yeah. all cases, you know, peacocks and goats and horses and donkeys, all kinds and the of cool kids stuff. and the kids love it. They are oh, yeah. constantly running over there and messing with the goats or the horses or whatever. And the last we arrive at the biggest kid in the parish right here, <laughs> we're out there cooking. I think it was for Thanksgiving. We were smoking turkeys with the Knights and, uh, she comes over. She says, I need somebody tall because my, one of my baby goats has gotten themselves underneath the shed and now they can't figure out how to get out. So I need somebody to kind of crawl under there and fish the goat out. So I go over there. I do that very thing. And Miss Betty snapped a picture of me holding this goat. And I'm going to share this picture with you all because it reminds me of something our Lord said um, in the in scriptures. All right. Now, now look at that picture. <laughs> Now, when our Lord talks about how he is the good shepherd, okay, why don't you look at my face? That's not even my goat. That's somebody else's goat. I was so happy to find that goat. That face that you see right there, that's our Lord's face every time we go to confession. But it's it's a million times more because we're his. We're his sheep. He said so. So when he finds, you know, I think sometimes we can look at confession as we're hesitant to go because God's going to be really angry with us. He's going to be cross with us. He's going to be disappointed when he finds out what I've done. Well, I hate to tell you this. He already knows what you did. (laughs) But so spoiler alert. Yeah. Spoiler alert. But we have this, (laughs) this, this mentality, I think sometimes of we go to confession. God's going to be very cross. He's going to be very angry with us because of what we've done. In reality, this is this is our Lord's reaction to us going to confession, and He said that uh, that one contrite sinner is greater than all the, the 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 fat calves and bulls you could sacrifice. That's what the Psalms say. 
Uh, and I don't know. It was just an intro. I came across this this well, picture today, and it got me thinking about that. You kind of made me think about, you know, sometimes it feels like you're being dragged to confession. Have you ever had to help her pull one of those goats in that have gotten out of the fence or is in the wrong fence? I have not. And, you know, you grab it by the horn and you're, you're pulling it, you know, and it's fighting you sometimes. And uh, I think we've all been there with confession. You know, it's the right <laughs> thing to do, but you're just fighting, fighting to go, you know. I mean, um, I don't know how comfortable I feel, though. Um with Mark being uh, the comparison to Jesus in that picture. <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, Mark in the picture is the goat. That's oh, what okay. Mark is definitely the goat. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but, but it got me thinking of, of that, that comparison. You know, I think sometimes in our modern parlance, when Jesus talks about how he is the shepherd and we are his sheep, we can think about that in terms of modern livestock husbandry, where, you know, animals are just sort of commodities Right. But it wasn't like that in first century Judea, right? The shepherd was somebody who the the emotional bond he had with his with his uh, sheep and with his goats that were under his charge was, I mean, you lived out there with these animals, just the two of y'all basically for a long period of time. So, yeah, um, I don't know. I, it was an interesting photo when I saw it. It 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 touched something deep inside, got me thinking about confession. And so I thought I would share it with you all here today. Who snapped that picture? Your wife or I got miss Betty to take the picture for me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Have we, uh, have we ever talked about the, the, uh, the, the generous donation that miss Betty made our parish and also the history behind <clears throat> the land itself, how it was almost providential that the fraternity received that land hmm. i mean i mean you've I, I know you've heard the story because we were we've talked about it in our nights uh meetings before right well i mean okay so here's here's what i know about the story uh i know about i know that miss betty owned that land and that land's been in her family since going back to the republic of texas yeah and i know we we found documentation of a land grant Correct me if I'm wrong. From Stephen F. Austin himself, I believe so. I'm, I was going to see if I could find that email. Um, but anyway, go, go ahead and continue. Well, uh, hang on. I'm going to I'm going to take a sip of my hydrating beverage here. Hang on one second. What's your hydrating beverage today? Oh, it's one of those. It's just water with some of those hydration tablets popped into it. Oh, okay. Not a fruity drink or anything. No, and de- definitely not even an adult beverage. So just I'm trying to take better care of myself. Yikes. Um, so Miss Betty got Miss Land's been in her family since going back to the Republic of Texas, 1836, and um, she wanted to donate it originally to the Institute of Christ, the King's Sovereign Priests, who for whatever reason did not have an opportunity. It, it wasn't prudent at, at the time for them to take um, on another I, parish I down did here. I know that like part. That. Yeah, yeah, and she ended up donating it to the fraternity. Um. And that's, that's what I know of. I mean, it was an incredibly generous donation. Yeah. Um, and I know that there's more to the story than that, but that's, I'm not good at telling stories. That's the only part of the story I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the generous part is I, I know they had a, a bunch of, uh, a bunch of land, more than the 40 acres that they donated yeah. and they've, they've sold through the years from what I understood to, different groups and businesses and stuff. But the last 40 acres they had, yeah, she donated 
to the fraternity to build a traditional parish. And I've got the, I've got the uh, text from the from the letter, but it's not downloading. So, but it, oh, but anyway, that was a good letter though, too. Yeah, I, I mean, basically talking about. Yeah, basically the letter, you know, had had basically said that he knew that uh, her grandfather, I believe it was a great grandfather, yeah. that God had a greater purpose for that land um, and, and whatnot. And then ultimately uh, I guess back in what, 2012, maybe she donated the land and I think that's right. Yeah. The fraternity, we, we built the chapel, we built the gatehouse. We've got a beautiful St. Michael shrine that father built. Um, We've got, uh, you know, the, the, there's a lot in, in the plans for this parish for that land. And it's once it's finally completed one day, it's going to be awesome. Father built most of the, <clears throat> I mean, like he built the altar. I know yeah. he built the St. Michael Shrine. Our, our, our parish, pa- our pastor uh, is very skilled. Uh, he's a very skilled woodworker. Um, he's not in the booth hearing confessions. Or up on the altar saying mass, he's in his coveralls. I was about working to say, out he's in not, the sun, he don't. I mean, he's, no he's not. Off. He's not out here like some of these Franciscan friars uh, tweeting controversial subjects because he don't have time to do that. He's out there, <laughs> you know. Not that he would, you know. Father, uh, I, I couldn't see Father in a million years, you know, condemning. Um, our bishops from withholding uh, Holy Eucharist from those How immortal have we sin. Not talked about this yet, but I mean, I mean, but but anyway, let me finish on Father Real uh, Father Van Fleet. But yeah, he uh, he's constantly working. He don't have time for all that mess. I don't, you know, uh, some was it you that told me one time the fraternity's not even allowed social media accounts or something I like think that. I, I I have heard that. I have heard that. So it wasn't me who told you that, but that's what I've heard. But but either way, even if he did, it's not like he has he would have time because like you said, if he's not, if he's not in confession, he's not uh, at mass, he's not having meetings with people fixing all of our issues that we have like little children, he's out there working. And, uh, and like, you know, I I've helped a few times when he was building some of the projects like St. Michael shrine. Mm -hmm. I I didn't know anything about masonry father. He'll get out there. He'll say, he'll show you how to do it. You know, he'll say, Hey, this is how you do this to say you do that. And you you can learn the craft of masonry from one of our priests. Okay, well, folks, this is a tradman <laughs> exclusive. I... Jason has just outed himself <laughs> as a member of one of the Stonecutters Guild that is out to undermine the church. Jason, I'm very disappointed in you. What at this out? Don't worry, I'm not worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's here's what's gonna have to happen. If you go to confession, okay. If you go to confession then we can be like this. Okay. Then that can be that. That can be you. you. That can be you right there. Okay. That, um, that's, that's you. I won't kiss you though. And that's me. Okay. You're the one who's doing the forgiving here. <laughs> then, then your excommunication stands. You know, you, you, you bring these problems on yourself, bro. You know, I try to help you. You got to be careful throwing these excommunications out. Cause it can come right back at you. <laughs> Excommunicated anathema. <laughs> so let's talk about yeah how the issue of withholding holy communion from those in mortal sin how is this even a controversial subject within the catholic community so first of all any way you slice it that's a sad situation 
It's not something like I'm so, I mean, in a sense, I am glad that we're uniformly applying the rules to everyone finally. Yeah. But in another sense, it's not something to celebrate because our sister Catholic is in error to the point where she can, she's no longer in communion with the mystical body. And that's something we should all lament. Yeah. And I don't um, think the, I, I don't think um, the, the Bishop, and whatnot is taking great joy in this. It's not like no, he's out there I don't think so. happy with himself. It's a fraternal correction. And and St. Thomas talks about the, you know, when he, I forgot how he words it, but he talks about fraternal correction being a good, you know. And uh, that's what these bishops are doing, and that's what they're supposed to do, and that's what we're supposed to do um, among ourselves. We're supposed to be willing to fraternally correct someone, but not only give it, but also receive it. So when I, I don't know if, if any of you listeners know this about me, but I, when I was a much, much younger man, I spent two years in a, a house of religious formation discerning a vocation. And there was an exercise that we do in religious life. And I was not religious. I was not professed yet. I was a novice, but nonetheless, um, and it's called fraternal correction. You sit in chapter with your brother monks and you sit there in silence. You have a copy of your rule and you point out your brother's faults. Uh, brother Mark, last Wednesday, I noticed you take a second helping at lunch. In the rules of the constitutions, it says that you should only take one helping at meal that is provided for you, something like that, you know? Yeah. And the only response is, thank you, brother. It is considered an extreme act of charity. I hated fraternal correction. I would try to find any way out of it. Um, I needed it, didn't like it, but needed it. Yeah. It, it seems like it's natural within our human nature, our fallen human nature to not like correction, but you know, the Psalm, the Psalmist writes and it, it's uh, the way that it's worded has always stood out to me. I don't know why, but you know, he says he that hates reproof is stupid. God corrects those whom he loves. So if God does, you know, corrects us out of love, we need to be doing the same thing to our brethren, you know, that are in sin. And again, like I said, we've also got to be willing to receive it because if we're not, the psalmist writes, depending on what translation you, you read, you're stupid. You know, if you, if, if you don't, if you hate reproof, if you hate correction. Now, this has been a process. This isn't like something out of nowhere. Nancy Pelosi just did not know she was not allowed to be pro-choice. And then out of nowhere, they just, uh, you know. This yeah, the, been church, a, the church just made known their stance on abortion. Yeah, uh, I think week. pretty clearly. And here's, the, and here's the point to remember. You are not free to believe things that are untrue. You don't have freedom of religion. You don't have a right to freedom of religion. You have the freedom to 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 uh, accept God or reject him. But you're going to be held accountable for the decisions that you make there. And in the Catholic Church, you accept it all or you are not in communion. And that's just the way it goes. This is th I'm tired of this. Well, I identify as a Catholic. Well, so the hell what? Who cares? I, I can identify as the Houston police chief, but if I try and walk into his office and kick him out from behind my desk, they're going to laugh at me and then they're going to throw me in the booby hatch. Oh, they're going to do more than laugh at you. Yeah, <laughs> because it doesn't matter that I identify as something. Yeah. It matters whether the organization identifies me as that thing too. We need to quit playing these 
stupid games. You're not free to just assume your own identity about every little thing you want to. Yeah. That's crazy, man. And the thing that aggravates me about this whole situation is you have these left-leaning priests coming out saying that, you know, it's being used as a political weapon or that, well, you're not really pro-life if you're, you know, pro-death penalty or you're not sending formula. Okay, we to can the, talk about all that. Yeah, we can talk about all that. But yeah. again, that doesn't negate the fact that supporting abortion is wrong. Just because person B supports a death penalty and they're against abortion doesn't mean, well, all of a sudden that the abortion issue is null and void. That, that that's not true you also have a hierarchy in evils in sin and abortion is chief among them it's got to be it it's, it's got to be sins, yes i can't i mean i'm not god and i can't tell you how it's going to be judged or unjudged but i can tell you that um it has got to rank up there with one of the most heinous absolute crimes you can commit is now a good time to bring up our 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 comment Hey, we got a comment on one of our videos. Yeah, we can. Are you able to pull it up on the screen? No, but I'm gonna. Well, actually, no, I'm not gonna put it up on the screen because there were there were some there was language in there that I don't want to repeat. Uh, so what I'm gonna do is well, at least he blocked out that language that I can remember. Did but he? you okay. know, you, you you know, before we get into that, I did want to I, I did want to mention one one tweet that I did see online, and. Uh, I don't, I don't know if he regrets his decision to tweet this or not. I doubt it. But there's a Franciscan friar who basically tweeted that by deny, uh, denying Eucharist, Holy Eucharist to Nancy Pelosi and other uh, pro-choice politicians, that it was like a form of idolatry. or I, I don't even know how that works. But, you know, that it was a scandal and whatnot. Anyway, so he writes all that. People have have been slapping him down pretty good. Now he hasn't, you know, he hasn't allowed comments on it. Like he's shut off the comments, which yeah. I think is kind of cowardice. If you're, if you're willing to make such a bold statement, you're not willing to dialogue about it. That's kind of, kind of cowardice of you. But anyway, people are like, this is the same priest that is talking about. It's a scandal to deny her Holy Eucharist. But then there's another tweet where he talks about watch his show called Euphoria, uh, Euphoria. And I don't know what to, I've never even heard of it, but apparently people were bringing up and this show has tons and tons of sex and nudity in it. So he's promoting that as a Franciscan. And what was like, the name of okay. the show again? And and what time does it come on in the network? And that I, that I don't know you for, but, but you know, it's just like, it's like the hypocrisy and all this. And it just reminds me of St. John the uh, Baptist, you brood of vipers. How dare yeah. you? How dare you, you know, criticize your fellow bishops for doing the right thing and you're out here promoting filth? How dare you? So, um, so there's there's a lot of great biblical uh, stories that deal with people like this. And my favorite one is, um, and I believe it's in John's gospel. Okay, will you give me just a second because I'm going to look this up. Um, and one. Okay, <laughs> John, John 12, 6, right? He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. 
people have been doing this <clears throat> since the, since since the days of our Lord. Oh, you know, we really need to focus more on uh, on compassion for the poor. What about the poor? Oh, so you don't care about the poor? Yeah. When in reality, it doesn't have anything to do with the poor. They've never. I mean, I'm still trying to figure out. I'm still trying to meet the person that Pope Francis has helped out of poverty. I want to see one person, just one. I want to meet the person who was destitute, but because of anything Francis or Jorge Bergoglio has ever done, now he's not that way anymore. Because he certainly yells at us for not caring about the poor all the time. But I have yet to meet the, I've, I've yet to meet the village, the individual, the country, the. That, that he has brought out of poverty, but you know, just just even in our secular world, secular people, it seems like the ones that scream the loudest about that we're not helping the poor and we're worried about the wrong issues are the ones that help the poor the least. Yeah, you know, when they talk about charity work and all that, it seems like you know, at least among American politicians, the ones that scream the loudest are usually the least giving. Yeah. Well, and 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 non-politicians, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying. Too, I know. Like, I know we have. I, I just know we have the stats for that, or the yeah, you know, for the politicians at least. But uh, but but the thing about the thing about it is like you don't have you you don't have the luxury of being a Catholic in your private life. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I mean, maybe there maybe there are instances in which you know. Uh, Okay, so like I go in uh, if I if I go into a Jewish deli, on uh, you know uh, that's on like a Friday afternoon they're getting ready to close and I say Shabbat Shalom. Okay, you could say that I was not enforcing my Catholicism on them by you know by greeting them in their own own term or something like that, but theologically and morally, I mean if 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 I'm in that same Jewish deli and I'm confronted by someone, they say, so you think Jesus is the Messiah, huh? And I know it's not going to go over well if I say yes. I don't have the luxury of saying, no, 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 no. It's all good, man. I don't have that luxury. No. Who do you think you are exactly to do something like that? You know, my grandmother used to tell me, you can't convert people. Only the Holy Ghost can do that. The best thing you can do is stay the heck out of his way. You know, all, all these high-ranking academic Catholic professors and some of the priests and whatever, they need to also to understand the difference between a public sin and a private sin. Because I, I see a lot, too. What about all the Catholics practicing contraception and this and that? Yeah, they're not avail- They're not free to go to Holy Communion is the answer to that. Yeah, they're not supposed to. And you know what? If 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 we can if we can public somebody is publicly declaring that and is open about it, then I am one hundred percent for that priest and bishop denying them holy communion. The problem is that's a lot harder to show than like in Nancy Pelosi or Joe Biden's case, where they are openly promoting abortion. If you're openly promoting contraceptive uh, contraception, you're openly promoting you know other other doc or, or teachings that are contrary to the Catholic Church. I have no problem denying you Holy Communion. You should be. The problem is a public and private sin. One is easier to see than the other. And that's what, where the issue lies. Here's what the now see to me the issue is really all about because see if I were holding out for public sinning 
just me, if I, if I started my own pro-abortion group, I would get the letter tomorrow, but it, because I'm not wealthy and powerful, that's what this is really about. Well, you does may the have Catholic a point in church, that. Does the Catholic faith apply to the wealthy and the powerful the same way it applies to everybody else? And I find it hilarious that all these people who were like, workers of the world unite, man, we got to fight the patriarchy. We got to tear it all yeah. down, man. They get incensed. When you treat a celebrity, when you don't treat a celebrity differently, they are just outraged. Yeah. <laughs> well, you ever and, noticed that? And look, at, uh, you bring These up a good point because a look, look back there in the, the COVID garbage, right? How many how many lay regular people were denied Holy Communion because they wanted to receive on the tongue and or on their knees? How many were denied? Quite a few. Uh, yeah, quite a few. I think in the Archdiocese of Chicago, they they're no exceptions. You yeah, to receive and, it in the hand. I mean, I mean, the videos are out there. The, Somehow, if you receive communion in the hand, the COVID will know not to infect you because the COVID is a modernist. The COVID vaccine is a modernist, so it yeah. knows that. Well, that's that. That's I, I don't want to since we're still on this sub subject of abortion, but I also want to riff, riff, you know, run a complaint on uh, the way some priests handle Holy Communion. Because what I, 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 it's not just the parish that I saw it at today, but when I've seen it, you know, I've seen it other places in the past and it just drives me up the wall. And maybe, I mean, maybe you can tell me, Hey Jason, you're overthinking this too much. But uh, anyway, I, I get into that later. Well, I don't think you're overthinking it. I think, <clears throat> look, think about that last scene in Indiana Jones when they open up the Ark of the Covenant. Okay. That's, that's, that's what's really that's what's really in that tabernacle. And I have never seen never seen that movie. Well, you know, I mean, no, it's I, I'm cool just kidding. I was hoping to get a reaction out of you. I've seen well, it. You know, I don't know. Tra trads are kind of a weird bunch. Like, I don't own a TV. It's like, OK, well. um, no, I was I was I was going to say, like, I understand that in the modern Catholic Church, <clears throat> you're asking too much of priests to fear the Lord. I understand that. Is it, is it too much to garner just a modicum of respect? Maybe I'll settle for respect at this point. Can you treat the Eucharist at least as good as you treat your best friend? Can you, if we can muster that, because the thing I don't understand is what, what, what the attitude of, people it seems to be just utter contempt almost yeah and if you're so angry at him why are you here i i don't well but whatever I don't well know. so I, I guess it's i already brought it up i just now, like, go jason <laughs> like that like it just really bothers me it's you know when, when you're at a novus ordo parish and they they you know they are g giving holy communion right if one of the extra Eucharistic ministers, whoever they're called, comes up, they just grab in their, you know, in their, uh, what's it called? Not bowl, but uh, Chaborum is empty. They'll grab a handful and put it in there. And then when they go back to the to the altar, they'll they'll sit there and they'll just grab big handfuls and, you know, put it all in the same Chaborum. And then they'll and then if it's overflowing, they'll pour it like a bowl of cereal and all that. And then afterwards, what do they do? You think they clean their hand? Nope, just pick it and go put it back. And and all I could think today was, 
no wonder people are struggling with the belief in the true presence. Because, again, when you go to the Latin Mass, what do you see? The priest's fingers are like that until what? Until uh, until they he does the the final ablutions. Yeah, and when the, it, it, yeah. and if you if you ever <laughs> notice, I don't know if you've noticed it because uh, my wife actually asked me this question one time, and I didn't have an answer. I said I'm going to pay attention next time at mass to to this. So you know how we'll have a second priest come out and help distribute Holy Communion, right? Yeah. Well, he doesn't go through the through the whole. Uh, rubrics of cleaning his fingers and his hands and stuff like that right afterwards but if you notice at least at our parish there's a there's a little bowl of water right up here they'll stick their fingers in it they'll clean it and then they'll wipe their hands yeah they, they still do their fingers like that uh -huh. they're still limiting the surface contact if you want to say that they're that they could potentially have a you know a piece of the body blood soul and divinity get on and then them accidentally drop on the floor, right? It's, it's all about respect. This is respectful. This is not respectful, in my opinion. So they'll get, so I notice they get up there, they, they still clean their hands and do all that. All the Eucharistic ministers, the deacon, the the priest, none of them do that at, at the Novus Ordo after distributing Holy Communion. And it's like, you know, you know that, that the body of Jesus has been dropped on the floor more times than we'll ever know. Because remember, what, what are we? What are we, the Catholic? What does the Catholic Church teach? That Jesus is fully present in the smallest uh, piece of host, right? right. Full body, <clears throat> blood, uh, soul, and divinity of Jesus yes. is present in the smallest particle. So I, I don't know. It just it, it burns me up, and I know I know some people. Well, you're being too legalistic. No, I'm trying to be trying to be respectful and reverent to our Lord, who I believe is really present in that sacrament. Yeah, I, I, I mean, at this point, like, you either you you either know it or you don't care, and I, 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 I'm kind of that's why I've never been a big fan of the reform of the reform movement. You know, let's, you know, it's like trying to it's like trying to make a safer cigarette. It's like you can you can put all kinds of special filters and special additives. What about what about it. vaping? Or you could just quit smoking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the safest cigarette there is. And I think the Nova Sordo, the, 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 the most reverent way in the world to celebrate the Nova Sordo Mise is to not attend it. Yeah, I said it. I am provocative. Well, um, <laughs> I, like I said, I, I attended today because that's what I, what I had. So your excommunication stands. I think um, we've been through this and <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, obviously sometimes you have to, and, I think the, the unfortunate thing about Tradiciones Custodes is is that people have been forced to, and and that's that's the dead giveaway. God doesn't force people to do things. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I mean, I haven't been convinced that the Novus Ordo is invalid. Therefore, I, oh, feel, I don't think it's invalid. Yeah. So I, I feel therefore, if if it if it's down between attending the Novus Ordo or not going, well, obviously, I have an obligation to fulfill. And that you know, especially like for instance, when I'm and, I, and I can't dispense you of that either. No. So make that well, very clear. And, and it's like when I go overseas, when I go to Saudi. I mean, obviously Saudi Arabia doesn't have, you know, Catholic yeah. Where's churches. the Where's the good Catholic church in Riyadh? Where is it? So when I'm in Damam, I have a, a guy. He's a friend of mine, but a guy that works. He also worked for me for a while, 
he's actually an Egyptian Muslim that lives and works in Saudi, but he would drive me over to Bahrain every Sunday really? to, attend, to attend mass. And he'd just hang out in the car. I try, I would try to get him to come in with me, but he would always just kind of hang out in the car for an That's hour. Awesome. That's awesome. But yeah. So, I mean, I, I know we're bouncing around all over the place here, oh. but but that's how my uh, brain works. That's how my brain works too. You're, you're dealing with two ADD Irish guys who want to talk about everything in the world. I know we started off talking about Nancy Pelosi and communion. It is our honest hope that Nancy Pelosi um, takes a, take this, takes this as an opportunity to reform her position and that she can be reconciled with Holy mother church. We should want that of every Catholic. Absolutely. Um, but I think we know good and well that sometimes in this life, you got to make a choice, man. And and speaking of the death penalty, it's a perfect example. I grew up in I grew up here in Houston, Texas. I grew up in a time and a place. Now I know this is a very controversial subject because a lot of people say that Francis, the Francis's change to the catechism isn't valid or isn't real or isn't whatever. I'm not a theologian, so I don't go there. If the catechism says that's what I'm supposed to do, then that's what I do because I I don't have the expertise I feel to argue with Holy Mother Church on her faith or her morals. So. Uh, where I come from, the death penalty is a perfectly acceptable form of adjudicating certain crimes. That is not something I have a particular problem with. It is not something that is outside of my cultural milieu. However, the catechism, as it is written now, says that we are to uh, pray for its end and, and not advocate its use. And so I'm going to conform myself to that because that's what we're supposed to do. Every Catholic is supposed to do that. And I think the rules should apply equally to everybody. And, and look, full disclosure, if the Catholic Church, you believe that the faith of the Catholic Church is not something that you can intellectually support because you just don't believe it to be true, I think you're an error, but I can respect, I'll certainly respect your decision. But like you need to make that decision. You want to talk about I stand for abortion, right? Well, then take your stand. And even if it costs you something, because if you ain't willing to, the Catholic Church can't criticize me when I make my stand. You ain't really making a stand for anything. Sorry. Well, let me ask you this. When when Pope Francis made the change in the catechism, do you think it was a prudential judgment or do you think he was basically saying this this was an evil that needs that needs to Here's, end? So here's how I here's how I read it because John Paul going all the way back to John Paul II he yeah. wrote many times that um, the death penalty is something that in modern times is the 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 modern day examples of places where it can be legitimately used are almost non-existent. Basically, what John Paul II said almost non-existent doesn't mean non-existent. I think Francis went a step further and said that. In the modern world, particularly in the West, we have a uh, a prison system. We have prison systems. We have due process. Everybody gets a trial, and so the needs for the death penalty again are basically they don't exist anymore in the modern world. I don't know if that's true or that's not true. Well, see when he, when he says that 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 always just makes me think. He's viewing that from a very first world viewpoint for one, yeah. because not all prisons are equal around right. the world. Right. And, and two, it would almost seem to, to me, which by the way, I'm going to send you an article 
uh, that I came across today because there was actually a discussion this morning on on Twitter that uh, me and Rob, you know, Rob from uh, from the trivia show were having with uh, with another guy that's going through RCIA, and he was under the impression that the church has taught that the death penalty was evil that uh you, you know i forgot what other words he used but but basically evil and the argument that that i gave back was that's the death penalty cannot be intrinsically evil otherwise the church has supported an intrinsic evil act right for almost two thousand years or so right so so then the question comes up with pope francis's change is this a prudential judgment and, and this is where the article kind of talks about this i'll send it to you it's uh by a guy i think his name is dr edward fezer f-e-s-e-r and apparently he has a book that i want to read that maybe maybe a potential good guest for us to have and talk about it but he makes the argument that that either francis's change in the death penalty either is basically saying that the death penalty is evil and it should have never have been which which then you start questioning the church's teaching authority because that means that the because you know as well as I do the church cannot promote or teach that which is evil and what right. is intrinsically evil can never be a good and right. what is good can never be intrinsically evil right right so the other option is much like uh, Saint Pope John Paul II it's a prudential judgment and a prudential judgment as Benedict said in relation to JP two that. Catholics are, unlike abortion, Catholics are free to disagree on this. Now, this was before the catechism change. But mm -hmm. again, you have to ask the question, is what Pope Francis is putting in there, is that more of a prudential change? Or is that something that all Catholics must assent to? And that's the question. I don't know the answer. And, and it's a question I can't answer because I, 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 yeah, I don't, that's beyond my faculties. Here's, here's what I can tell you though. The taking of human life, the intentional taking of a human life under any circumstances is grave matter. Should be taken very seriously. It's incredibly grave matter. In some situations it is justified, but even in those situations, it's still a terrible thing to have to do. That That's why, you know, I mean, um, soldiers who fight in, in wars, Okay, they're carrying out just killings because they're they're in, according to the catechism they are engaged in a you know uh, they're they're in the army they're taking yeah. lawful orders they're executing those orders and they're killing people. They come home they need years of therapy yeah. help. Uh, they have post traumatic stress disorder. That's because even though what they were doing was right under the circumstances, it's a manifestation of our fallen human nature, but for the fall, it wouldn't even be necessary. Yeah. So I look at, at the death penalty as a thing of, as it's something we should only do when it's absolutely necessary. And let me tell you something about prison, man. People act like prison is no big deal. Dude, I'm a criminal defense attorney. I can tell you some stories about prison that will terrify you. You go into a prison as a white guy, you go into a prison, you're joining a, you're in a gang basically. Okay. You're, oh, you're going to, you're going to yeah. roll with those guys and you're going to stab people and you're going to run dope and you're going to have to live like an animal because there's, it, you're going to answer up to the gang and you're going to do whatever they say to me. You really want to punish a guy. Give him a life sentence with no possibility for well, parole, man. Those guys are walking ghosts up in there. It, isn't isn't Pope Francis? I think he even mentioned he was against life sentences as well. 
Well, he can be a gift against no, I'm just saying. That's I, his I, choice, but that's not the Catholic. That's not the I teaching will, of the church. Well, I would, I will tell you that I've done prison ministry a few times where mm-hmm. we go, and it's not like we go to a retreat or a house outside. Like we go inside the prison in their gymnasium, in their chapel. We're walking, you know, by the cells and all that. I mean, I've never necessarily seen anything crazy, but there are some tough looking dudes in there that yeah and, and you just look at it and you're like i do not want to end up in this place yeah you know i mean i mean like you said it's it's serious serious business um but anyway that's, that's and so but and and so when we when you look at like things about the death penalty and things like that <clears throat> i am i i i I look at the logic of the reasoning used that John Paul II and Francis used and the reasoning of how to get there. The reasoning makes sense to me yeah. that we're not we're not executing these criminals because we're in immediate they're presenting an immediate threat of death or serious bodily injury to ourselves or another. We're doing it out of revenge, seems to me. I'm not I'm not saying that's inappropriate revenge well well but, i mean I, I don't think it's revenge as much as it's the virtue of justice in many cases because i, I it seems yeah. like it seems like that many people forget th- about the virtue of justice in this discussion because you know even in the old testament you know god god says you know you sh- you shed a man's blood by man your blood shall be shed now i know true. that i know that's in the old testament however that doesn't mean that it's that, that God has all of a sudden changed his stance on the, on the issue. Now I, I will add this caveat in my, and this is my personal uh, belief on the death penalty. While I, I believe and support the death penalty. I also don't in many ways. And I'll tell you why, because I don't trust the state. I don't, I don't trust the state to make the proper decisions because so I, I'm kind of at a crossroads, right? Like if a guy, if a guy is beyond a doubt, <clears throat> guilty right Mm -hmm. i i don't necessarily have a problem with that but we know many times the state has falsely accused has forced confessions out of people i'm one of those guys that i tell people no matter how innocent you are never talk to the police without an attorney because there are too many there are too many cases that if they want to if they want to hammer you they're going to get a, they'll keep you in these, in the, uh, what are the interrogation rooms for basically breaking you down, just making you say whatever you'll say to hope to get out of there. And, and, I, and everything I, they can tell you, they can lie to you too. Oh yeah. People you cannot, think they can't lie to you. That's all. That is wrong. You can't lie to the government, but they can lie to you. So, me, so, 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 so with that, so with that said, I, I, I don't think that the death penalty is an intrinsic evil and I don't, and I don't think it's something that needs to be wiped no, off the table. No, it's not intrinsically but, evil. No, but I don't. I also don't trust the state, even so here in the United States. When I don't you say trust things it. like intrinsically evil, there, there, intrinsic, there are things. Intrinsically means that the act in and of itself is what makes it evil. So, yeah. like, murder is not intrinsically evil because I may. Be, I mean. Homicide. Homicide is not intrinsically yeah, evil because murder definitely. Yeah, murder definitely is. But yeah. homicide is not intrinsically evil because there might be such situ- the situations will determine whether or not it's justified. Yeah. Intrinsically evil would be something like rape. By right? its very nature, it's evil right? in there, every there, case. There, uh, whether or not your, your, your rape was morally licit or illicit does not depend on the circumstances surrounding it. There, there's no way to commit a defensive there's, sexual yeah. assault. It doesn't yeah, make any no, sense, right? 
there's it's no, intrinsically there, evil. Yeah, there's no reason that you can ever rape anybody. I mean, that's right. just plain and simple. Right. There's no reason, like abortion, there's no reason that you can legitimately murder the most innocent among us. Now, if you're having an operation, if, if it's like a, 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 tub, a, a, a tubular uh, pregnancy, and I can't, there's a name for it. A, a Coptic or something like yes. that. Yeah. Now you can do that because the objective of the operation is not to terminate the life of the child. It's to save the life of the mother. And so thus that, that is not, that would not count as a procured abortion is my understanding of. of now I, I, of I can't, I, we, we need to have uh we need to ask Angela that question. The, the lady we had on about, I'm sure she didn't know because I've never, I've never actually looked into the, into that, you know, that, that, that scenario. Now, of course, the one that's always the catechism is, talks about it, but I can't, I, does it now? I, I know people bring up rape and incest and, and those, like I said, I, I don't, I still don't see a justification. No, that the church says that those are not justifications and because no, they're, they're not, it's an yeah, innocent you, party. And, and in and that's that's kind of the way I look at the death penalty. Would the and don't get me wrong, it's not because I feel sorry for these animals and I want to see them live long and happy lives, and I think they're really the victims. Trust me, I hate these yeah. guys. And if it were up to me, I'd take them out in the middle of the street and shoot them right now. But that's the point. It ain't up to me. Yeah. This is big. Whether or not whose human life has value and whose doesn't is not up to us. We don't get to make those decisions. Well, and that's the and that's the reason that I that I disagreed with the term when you said earlier about revenge. Because if the state carries it out in the form of justice, that's not revenge. Like like when you when you watch that movie, uh, what is it? To Kill a Mockingbird. Right. Yeah, I mean it's a book too. But the movie, I believe it's Samuel L. Jackson. He shoots that guy that raped his daughter, right? Shoots him in the courtroom. Right. That's revenge. Yes, the they deserve put, to die, and I hope yeah. they burn in hell. That's revenge. The state now, if it had gone to trial, and the state put that guy to death. That's not revenge, you know. I mean, I mean, the the there's a difference in revenge and justice. Yeah, there is. Uh, I, I well, but see again. Justice, <laughs> there are some judgments that the Lord alone gets to make. And absent somebody's putting you in a position where it's either you or them, you don't get to make the determination about when people live or die. And, you know, our Lord himself is the master of life and death. And, you know, that's why we, we protect human life. Now, here's the deal. Now, Again, that, that respect for life also extends to myself and my family. So if you break in my home in the middle of the night, I, I'm, I'm going to defend my life and the lives of my family against oh, yeah. an unjust aggressor. And the catechism says that I have the moral obligation to do that. So uh, that, I don't want you well, to get the intention that, that all killing is all always bad in all circumstances not true well i will i will say this that yes god is is the ultimate judge on that but i'll, I'll read this and when i read romans 13 when paul is writing it you know to the uh, writing this letter to the romans it seems like to me when i read it he's given that 
authority to state to the state to make those decisions, right? Right. He says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. Now here's verse 4. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason, or some translations do not bear the sword in vain. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to, sub to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. Now, I didn't look at the translation. I just looked up. I just realized this was the NIV I was reading from, but, you know, on the Internet. But that's but, okay. You know, You've already been excommunicated, so it's okay. Yeah, I can read whatever I want now. But Paul, uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, Paul writes that the government, that the state does not carry the sword in vain. Right. So, so, so God, God has seemed to give the authority to the state to make those decisions. Now is the state perfect in all those decisions? Absolutely not. I've already stated that I don't, I don't trust the state as it is, but I can't come out and say that the death penalty should be avoided in every case. And that it's, you know, that it, now that Pope Francis has made that, that change in the catechism that all of a sudden it's wrong for a Catholic to support that. Because um, if you, if you'll permit me, I, I, sure. I know this, I know this was written before, the catechism changed, but I think the principle is still there. So Pope Benedict uh, wrote, not all moral issues have the same moral weight as abortion and euthanasia. For example, if a Catholic were to be at odds with the Holy Father on the application of capital punishment or on the decision to wage war, he would not for that reason be considered unworthy to present himself to receive Holy Communion. While the church exhorts, exhorts civil authorities to seek peace, not war, and to exercise discretion and mercy in imposing punishment on criminals, it may still be permissible to take up arms to repel an aggressor or to have recourse to capital punishment. There may be a legitimate diversity of opinion even among Catholics about waging war and applying the death penalty, but not, however, with regard to abortion and euthanasia. And there's, and there's plenty of other writings from popes and, and, and other, you know, uh, the doctors of the church, the fathers of the church that will also support the death penalty. So the church has a tradition of while supporting the death penalty, also teaching it great care needs to be taken. So let me ask you this as, and I, I don't want to misstate your position. So for the, okay. for just to, for the purposes of distinguishing your position from mine, I'll call you a pro death penalty guy for the purposes of does that make, I mean, I, I know uh, that that's not an accurate description, it but kind of, it kind of offends me, but go ahead. <laughs> I know it triggers, but uh, sit down. I'm, tri right. I'm, I'm super triggered. Would you agree? Would you believe that the death penalty, because the death penalty is allowable that therefore that is without restriction and there is no wrong way to do that? Would you say, would you say that? Would you okay. another, would you believe that the right for the that the that the state has a right to execute those convicted of crimes and that that right is absolute without limitation and any method that the state wants to use to achieve that is okay would you no agree? no I wouldn't agree with that 
And that, and, and alas, we've arrived at the real difference between this and the abortion debate. Because when you ask a pro-choicer, what are the lim- you think that there's a right to have an abortion, okay? What are the limitations to that right? Because with every other right that the, that the Constitution protects, we would all agree there are limitations to it. You can't get more pro-Second Amendment than me, and I'm going to go ahead and say Jason too, right? We're from South Texas, and uh, we're both big Second Amendment guys. Everybody around here is, okay? That being said... I don't think either one of us would argue that I have a right to an F-15 strike eagle. I don't know. And, and not only do I have a right to it, the government has to pay for it because I can't, you can't, I don't have, I don't have $60 million to spend on a fighter aircraft. So the government must pay for my F-15 strike eagle fully loaded for bear with AMRAM missiles and everything else you can imagine. Okay. No one would say that. That's absurd. Now, we have debates about whether the AR-15 or this particular type of firearm complies with the right or doesn't that. But we all agree there are limitations to the right. Well, let me ask you this. Kind of serious. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of serious. Okay. If and this this will fall within that limitation category, right? Okay. Okay. So if I have the money, I pass I pass the. You know, I've got my pilot's license yeah. and I pass, you know, whatever regulation background check the government has. Why, why shouldn't I be able to own an F-15? Uh, because an F-15 has technology in it that is classified and thus should not be made available to the general public because of, for national security purposes. Well, you could well, you could bring the- it down, right? What do you what do you mean? Well, like, for instance, you most <clears throat> people today can't own an automatic weapon right everything's semi-automatic you have to have have a special permission for that why couldn't you why couldn't you dumb down the f-15 for civilian use i mean i suppose you could but i mean it's just a stupid question because because there's like point oh yeah zero zero one percent that could actually even afford it so there are there are like fighter aircraft that you know that are like maybe 20 like a whole generation old that they've stripped down and sold to civilian collectors and things like that. Yeah. They've done that. But I mean, my point is let's go, let's go even to the extreme of a I'm nuclear just, I'm, weapon. I'm, let's I'm go. Kind of being, I was kind of being a smart aleck, but no, it's just, okay. <laughs> let's go to, let's go to the extreme, right? Let's go to the, yeah. the reductio ad absurdum argument. I even Wayne LaPierre over at the national rifle association would not argue that citizens have a right to an atomic bomb. Okay. So, so even Wayne LaPierre believes that there are restrictions to that right. Your freedom of speech, that does not give you the right to call your neighbor up in the middle of the night and say, I'm going to blow your head off tomorrow because you didn't take the garbage out like you were supposed to. And then I'm going to burn your head, right? Can't threaten people. So it's, it's not absolute. Yeah. But all of a sudden, when it comes to abortion, any limitation is unreasonable not even be being able to pay for it i i believe i have a second amendment right to keep and bear arms i don't think the government has the obligation to buy me a handgun well, so it's the whole birth control argument too oh well the government should be paying for my right to birth control you don't have a right to that so so here's my question to the political left that's an honest question i want i want an example of something that you don't feel you have a right to and you can send us emails. I'll, I'll, I, I will listen gladly because healthcare, I have a right to it. 
education, I have a right to it. The particular type of education, I have a right to it. Abortion, I have a right to it. Contraception, I have a right to it. This last, uh, the, the, the summer with all the rioting, you couldn't, you couldn't say that people didn't have a right to steal. Yeah. Books came out ca- called In Defense of Looting, where stealing was seen as this morally virtuous thing to do. So maybe it's the case that if you don't feel that there's anything you don't have a right to, and you don't feel there's anything else anyone do, does have a right to, maybe you're just, maybe you're not a liberal. Maybe you're just a raging sociopath. Maybe you're an authoritarian. Yeah. Maybe you just don't like your fellow human beings very much and you're an insane narcissistic psychopath. Did you see that clip of that lady that was testifying before Congress? Um, her name was, I don't know her first name, but it, I know he called her Miss Foster, one of the Democratic either congressmen or senators, I don't know which, from no, not really. one, one of the Northeast states. He was talking about abortion and, you know, he's talking about the cases of rape and incest. And he asked her, like, uh, you know, would she be open to including those or, or something like that? I don't know. But anyway, it doesn't matter. She, she basically comes back and says, if we include the exception for uh, abortion and incest, would you accept it? He goes, oh, never mind, never mind. So he proved right there they weren't even open. Yeah, to there's say, no compromise. To say there was no, no, well, not even compromise. He was, he was basically there saying, I am not open to any limitation on abortion up right. to up to death, and even in some cases, people support him. Uh, uh, what's it called? Where you where, where you kill the baby after they're born? Uh, yeah, the the baby survive, the baby survives the abortion, and they yeah. can still terminate his life. And you, I mean, it's not crazy under this set of rules to extrapolate in, in 20 months or so, you're going to be considered a right-wing political extremist if you don't believe someone has the right to kill their two-month-old if they don't want them anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to find. just becoming absurd. And I, I just think. Pfft. I'm going to, I'm going to find that exactly that exchange because I want to make sure I, I said it right because it was, it was good. So let's see. He, uh, where is it? Let's see. While Jason is finding that, here it is. Uh, I, I oh. found it. So uh, he says the so the the congressman or senator, whatever he is, the GOP witness is calling for a nationwide ban on abortions with no exceptions for rape and incest. Then the witness, Miss Foster, says, if we added rape and incest exceptions, would you vote for it? The congressman reclaiming my time. That yeah. was it. He's not even open to a limitation on it. And, and there, and that's, that's the problem is that the, what I've noticed is there doesn't seem to be any limitation to the right. It, the right is absolute. It is without limitation and it is without, I mean, it is, it is so fundamental. It trumps almost every other right you can think of. And I don't have another legal example of a right that we've treated that way. Yeah. Um, Searches and seizures. It says right in the amendment. You don't, you're not protected from any and all searches and seizures. You're protected from unreasonable searches and seizures. And so someone has to explain to me why a, not only uh, why the right exists and where, and if it does exist, where does it come from? Rights come, rights only exist if you all admit that we occupy a rung in the hierarchy of creation. 
We don't occupy the top. That's up here. That's God. We're, we're sort of right here. And then most of the rest of creation's down here below us. That's true. But the only way it works if we're all equal is if there are rights. Rights people, must be respected, right? Some people even debate what you just said, that the rest of creation is beneath us. Some people act like their, their dog or cat is on equal par with us. Well, that's what that's what original <laughs> sin is. I mean, if you read the catechism, what sin is, sin is not a list of things that God says you're not allowed to do because he wants to ruin your good time. It's actually not what they are at all. Things are sinful or not sinful. Sin, all sin is, is you misplacing yourself in the hierarchy of creation. That's all it is. There's a list of things, right? So, so when, if you look at the garden of Eden, the story, a lot of people don't like the story because they think it's not a very good story. doesn't explain very much, whatever. This is not a story about people eating fruit. It's not what this story is about. It's about God gave Adam his name. That means God is above Adam in the hierarchy. And then Adam, uh, God told Adam, there's a list of, here's all the things that crawl on the earth, that grow on the earth and that swim in the sea. You can name those things. That means you have dominion over those things. But Adam can, does not have dominion over his own identity. He can't identify as someone else. Yeah. His identity is given to him by the person above him in the hierarchy of creation. And here's the thing, all sin, every time you sin, you are acting like a God and you are not a God. That's what Lucifer told Eve. If you eat this, you'll be as a God, right? And it's not true. When you act yeah. as a God, that's what the people always ask. What do they like about the Novus Ordo Mise? The Novus Ordo makes them feel like gods. And why they hate the traditional Latin mass is the traditional Latin mass stands as evidence that they are not. They can't stand that. Well, that's all it is. As we had in that episode with Dr. K, there's a there's an, a strict obedience that comes with the traditional Latin mass that is not found in the Novus Ordo. Right. The traditional Latin mass forces everyone who's attending it and celebrating it to resubordinate themselves to their proper place in the hierarchy of creation. And what and the reason why we're saved by by Christ's suffering and death and resurrection is by God subordinating himself way below his proper place in the hierarchy of creation. Even going so far as to suffer pain and then die the death. It's a scandal. The One of the most insulting things you can do to either an Orthodox Jew or a practicing Muslim is say that Christ was God and that Christ died. Yeah. That is such a scandal. You cannot say that about God. God cannot die, yeah. Because that is such an unjust and unfit punishment for the deity. And by doing that, Christ rebalances everything back to the way it was before and that, we did what and that, we did in Eden. And that's one of the things that made the sacrifice so great. Right. Right. You know? Christ restored us to our proper place in the hierarchy of creation. That's that when he said it is accomplished and he breathed his last, that's what was accomplished. How does we the saying how does the saying go? God came down to be man so that he may uh, bring us up. Yes. To, 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 to share in the in, in his um what's the word I'm looking for? To share in his 
sharing his life, his his, uh, his divinity, divine life. Yes, there you go. Yeah, the the mass has a beautiful prayer, and I I I don't have it up, so I won't say it. But but look at back at the imagery of how it is that we came to find ourselves in this fallen state is we ate from the tree of death and perdition. We ate the, we ate the fruit that hung from that tree. And so yeah. to be redeemed, we have to eat the fruit that hangs from the tree of life. And that is the body of Christ who hangs from the tree of the cross. We have to yeah. eat that fruit. That's Holy communion. It's, it's, it's very deep. It's very powerful. Uh, you could meditate on that probably for the rest of your life. It's a, it's always amazing the depth and beauty that the that the Catholic Church has. Because I look back at my my Protestant days, and by the way, me me saying that would be great cause for scandal among my group because they're not Protestants in their minds. But um, <laughs> <laughs> really, Don't, what what do they think? What do they? Oh, they're one of the they're one of the groups that think they go all the way back to eighty. Oh, I see. Okay, okay. So, but anyway, that aside. Let me put the caveat. There was a lot of a lot of knowledge of the Bible, right? But when I look back at it and I compare it to the the homilies I receive at the Catholic Church, the readings I get from the great doctors of the church, it was just like when me and you were talking the other day about uh Paul writing about a bishop and deacon needing to have a wife. And then and then you sent over some uh or you know the husband of of one wife, right? And you right, sent right. over second second Timothy. Yeah. Yeah, you you sent over some uh <laughs> some quotes from from the St. John Chrysostom and some other I think St. Basil. Yep, St. Basil the Great, St. John Chrysostom, <laughs> yeah. some of the early fathers, yeah. Yeah, and 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 you look at that and I there is not another pro, or, or I, no Protestant church, especially from mine, can ever match the depth and richness of the Catholic Church. It's all it's all surface readings. It's all like just kind of skimming the top. You never get off that milk that Paul talks about. You never get into the meat. I felt like when I finally came to the Catholic Church, I was finally off the milk, and mm. I was finally starting to eat some of that meat Paul was talking about. I, I'm often amazed when like I, I talk to uh, Protestants who will – who will feel the question to me like, like they just got me, you know? Oh yeah. Well, what about this? And then, and I just think to myself, do you really, do you really think that the Catholic church has been around for 2000 years because no one's ever thought of it? They've thought of everything. Imagine, imagine the absolute arrogance of believing that you've discovered something about the Bible that has never been discovered before. Yeah. Maybe, but probably not, as I always like to say, you know, it's like, uh, before you go run in your mouth, you might want to Google, has anyone wondered this? And then, yeah, no, we got an answer for that too, bro. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, you know, the, the thing for us converts, at least in my case, when I talk to family and friends that are still part of that group, they always bring up verses and, and uh whatnot that oh well this is you know what about this what about that and it's kind of like you know i already had to get over all those hurdles before i came to the catholic church so it's really like you're not bringing anything new to me that i haven't already thought of and the catholic church has already answered to sway me to their position you know and i don't i don't think that's why people 
convert to religions anyway. I this idea that proof texting is something that you know, well, I'll just I'll 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 throw out some paragraphs and then he'll come to my yeah. church or this church that and the other thing. You know, it's 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 a it's a mystical thing why people convert and yeah. and I, so I think it, at some point it boils down to I can't really explain it. I don't know exactly what well, it is. I I agree, and and don't get me wrong. Apologetics play a crucial role. You should, you know, as the scriptures say, we should be ready to give a defense. We should be able to yeah, explain absolutely. our faith. We should be able to defend our faith. But at the end of the day, sometimes the biggest conversion that we do is how we live our lives, and oh, ultimate yeah. and ultimately. God is the one that brings a conversion because Paul, Paul even writes, I planted Apollos watered, but God brought forth the increase. So mm -hmm. all we can do is kind of plant seeds in people's minds through apologetics, through the way we live our life. But ultimately, if that person converts, it's because God, the Holy Spirit, brought them to the church. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, so I, I, I always say that if the best way to evangelize is to convert yourself. Well, and you can't even convert yourself. That's that's a grace from the Holy Ghost. So respond to that grace, and people will see that. It, people are attracted. People aren't attracted to you. They're attracted to Christ. Yeah. Right. They're not going to convert because the trad men, you know, are, are <laughs> so amazing in any kind of way. If they can, if if we inspire any conversions at all, it will only be to the degree that Christ is seen through us. Yeah. That's it. If they were just seeing us. We're gonna bring the numbers down faster than I'm gonna bring the numbers down. I, I yeah, Fast, I, faster I, than the Novus Ordo. I yeah, exactly. <laughs> I tell people I can't be your model of holiness because I don't have it all figured out yet. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not the most pious guy in the world, and no. I'm gonna. I'm gonna blow your mind right now. I forget to say my rosary often. Getting my rosary said every day is like a struggle for me. It's not something that comes easy. So no, it know. gets, it gets frustrating sometimes. Cause you're like, man, I, I just went to confession for that sin and here I am again, you know, but, Oh yeah. yeah. But, 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 but the, and this goes back to the whole abortion. Should they, you know, or really anybody in mortal sin, should they, should they be denied Holy Eucharist or not? Nobody makes a distinction as well. Many times that there's a difference and going out, living, uh, trying to live a holy life, recognizing that you sin and that you fall, but trying to avoid that sin versus willfully living in sin and promoting sin. And that's where the whole homosexuality controversy comes in. The church doesn't exclude people just because they have those inclinations. They exclude you if you willfully live a sinful lifestyle. You repent of that sin, the church will welcome you in. And and I get so sick and tired of this hippie, all-inclusive Jesus that, oh, it doesn't matter what you believe, just come on in, he'll accept you. Jesus is inclusive to the point that if you obey him, anybody can come. If you don't, well, guess what? You're going to be excluded. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I This idea of this Jesus who doesn't really believe in anything. I got to tell you, I, there is not a single gospel. All four gospel accounts present a very, very different guy. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, he was for, he, he was merciful. So he, so if you seek forgiveness and 
it's not like, it, you know, it's going to be something you might struggle with for the rest of your life. Every time you sin, you seek forgiveness. His his mercy is without limitation. He's 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 that picture again. Where is it? Where is it? Did you know that that's actually among some some tribes? I've noticed that's actually a controversial thing for you to say. That some of them will advocate because oh, I, I think I think of a misreading that there are a certain number of sins that after that you're cut and off. That's why I submit myself <laughs> because. You can go off the rails into some weird. That's and I like this death penalty thing. Yeah, it, it, there's some aspects of it that I question or whatever. But honestly, I'm going to go ahead and submit myself to the teaching of Holy Mother Church because I don't know everything and I don't have all the answers. Well, and yeah, we can't fault anybody and, for that. And right? I and I don't have the right to tell you no. You don't have to listen to the Catholic Church because I've decided. Nah, man. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I can tell you on most days, I'm not as good as the average person. I'm certainly not morally superior to the church. That much I can guarantee you. Uh, but so. let's but let's also not forget though that we also have a prudential obligation to make or, or you know an obligation to sure. make prudential judgments sure. on what we're being told as well. Yeah, if I if there was anything that I saw as legitimately contradictory then obviously i i am bound to go you know to go with the traditions that have been handed down to us uh, as saint paul uh, tells us in second thessalonians but i i didn't see this as contradictory this this death penalty issue in the catechism necessarily i didn't see it as contradictory but again i know i'm going to stir up tons i'm going to stir up a hornet's nest in the oh we never got to the comment oh let me uh, let me add this as well. And anybody that follows me on Twitter has seen me say this, you know, we're talking about whether Jesus basically uh, had a backbone or not. Right. You know, some, because that's the way people act. Like when he was here, he was just a free for all. Right. Yeah. And they, they use the excuse just like this Franciscan. I don't know if he's a, I, I guess Franciscan friar, but you know, he came out and said uh, in that tweet as well that Jesus went to those that were in sin and didn't reject them or deny them. Jesus, when Jesus went to those in sin, he told them, go and sin no more, not go and keep doing what you're doing. Right. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're repenting, well, if there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, what are you repenting from? Okay. We got to read this comment because this comment was crazy. I, you know, if you leave a crazy comment on our YouTube channel, we're going to read it out here for you. <laughs> This was on the uh, the episode we did uh, with uh, with uh, Angela. Yeah, Angela Erickson. Yeah, and this was the comment from Frenchman's Fury. There's uh, quote. There's nothing more antithetical to being a woman than being a mother. End quote. Stop. Separate those two things. Being a woman does not mean you have to be a mother. Having a uterus doesn't mean catching and incubating sperm is your one and only glorious purpose in life. You can believe that for yourself if that's what you want. That's called freedom of religion. But you don't get to force your religious beliefs that fetuses are image bearers of God, spelled G-A-W-D, and all that. I think onto, they're a believer. Yeah, on, onto other people and force them to make medical decisions they don't want to make. Mm -hmm. Okay, we'll come back to that. We'll put a pin in that for a second. You're forcing your views on other women. You're taking away their freedom. 
That's how you are anti-woman, not the other way around. But people like you will always try to project flaws that others refuse to share. Believe that a brainless clump of cells is a baby if you want. Believe that it has a soul, that everything from rape to ectopic pregnancies are all part of God's plan. Believe that contraception is a sin and never use it. No one is forcing you to. No one is forcing you to. No one is dictating your reproduction or your health or your sex life. Believe what you want. Live according to your Bible. But stay the F out of everyone else's business, you fascist curse word meaning o- words o- okay question mark okay smiley face smiley face <laughs> frenchman's fury this one's this one's for you bud okay i need you to find the closest bathroom you can near the sink typically above the sink you will find a mirror i need you to stare deeply into that mirror the person on the other side desperately needs your help okay and aren't we all a clump of cells anyway? Let's talk about the clump of cells. I love this. What's a cell? Let's go. Let's do. Let's let's, let's look have a it biology up. lesson. Let's look it up. Let's look it up real quick. Professor Mark. Oh yeah, no. Professor Mark goes to Google and figures out what is that on Google. What is a? <laughs> no, no, no. Before you leave this screen, what was that on Google? Oh, I don't know. Is that know. like a caveman or something? What is a cell? Shall we go to nature.com? Okay. I mean, you, a good source. That's you can a pretty... go over. I, I read a statistic a week ago that like 95% of biologists believe that life begins at conception anyway. Cell biology. The cell is the basic structural and functional unit of life forms. Huh. I'm sure cells make up things that are not alive, right? Yeah, and, and last time I checked, dead things don't grow and multiply. Hmm. I guess interesting. I guess they don't. Here's this thing called cell theory. Cell theory has three tenets. All living organisms are composed of one or more cells. The living. cell the cell Li- is living? the basic that's what it says. No, the the cell is the basic that unit. That can't be right. That can't be right. Is, living? The cell is the basic unit of structure and organization in organisms. Cells arise from pre-existing cells. From pre-existing dead cells, right? You forgot the dead part. That's not what it says. Uh, that, that can't be right. That's, that is not what, uh, what so, is this? Frenchman Fury is so teaching. Frenchman, brother. Yeah, no, that doesn't make any sense. Can believe that a, you can believe that a clump of cells is not a human being if you want to, but I if believe- it, but if it's not a human being, then somebody's going to have to determine what type of living organism it actually is, because I'm not an expert on biology, but I know for I know that when a when a when a human male mates with a human female, they don't produce a tree. I, I know yeah. that. Good point. We may need we may we may need a biologist in here to. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm no, I'm no biologist, but I thought like beget like. I mean, (laughs) that was a pretty funny comment, Frenchman's Fury. I loved it; it was hilarious. Keep them coming. Um, That was pretty funny. And and you know the you know the other thing is like you're forcing your views on women, taking away their freedom. You you know, and and their body, this and that. I tell you what, and no, and no, 
Next time somebody wants to get some forceps and crush your skull and rip your body from limb to limb, I will literally stand right beside you and defend your right for your body, just like I am for these innocent uh, babies. And it's not your body that's getting ripped apart. And this whole idea that, oh, they're just, uh, um, what do they call it? Um, like when uh like, like when you've got a worm in you uh, uh like a, a tapeworm oh like a, uh, a parasite like a parasite parasite there are there are too many Weist. studies there are stu- too many studies that show babies when a woman is pregnant with the baby the baby gives the mother a lot of of good it's not just taking it's giving dude to dude, the mother if you don't think that the person that we're talking about is a sociopath if they talk about other human beings as parasites well, they didn't I wouldn't, I wouldn't go, here, I wouldn't go hunting with this individual. I just put it to you that way. I'm, I'm not going to go off in the woods alone with them and a gun. Cause and I'm not, and I'm not forcing my dude. religious beliefs. My religious beliefs also tell me that rape is wrong, that murder is wrong. So can I no longer advocate for that those theft crimes? Is wrong. That theft is wrong. Yeah. That yeah. Theft is wrong. Well, they're and, already, they're already working on trying to make sure that theft isn't against the law. You know, well, Somebody was telling me here because I'm in California. Distribution, man. I, I'm in, yeah, I'm, I'm in California this week, and somebody was telling me up in Sacramento that I think the DA said anything less than nine hundred dollars is just a misdemeanor, and they weren't going to prosecute. Yeah, well, that's why theft is a right. Well, that's yeah, and so and and so you have you've un, you've taken away your where you've not recognized your proper place in the hierarchy of creation. And you imagine now that property rights are something only you have and other people don't because you imagine yourself to be God and it's not going to end for you. I mean, here's the thing. You have two choices, man. You can either resubordinate yourself to your proper place in the hierarchy of creation or God can do it for you. And when God does it, he's going to do it. in. I mean, look at history. All of human history is a story of people learning the hard way that they are not deities. Yep. That's all it is, man. Well, in this, in this idea that, oh, I can steal or I can do whatever, because this is what's due me. You know what is due every, you know, the only thing that we are due, whether you're white, black, brown, male, female, death. death. That's the only thing that we're, that we're owed. But thankfully to the great love of Christ, he has he has redeemed us from that death, but that is that is what we are due. That is that yeah. is the only thing that we deserve, if not for Christ. I mean, we still deserve it, but He's redeemed us from it. Yeah, and I mean, it, I wrote an article about that and put it on the Tradman site. If anybody wants to check it out, about, throw the website up for anybody that's watching. I should, I should, yeah, Trad www.tradmanpodcast.com go check it out go into the store section and pick you up some merch go do that and anybody any of any of our listeners because now we have over a hundred i mean we're kind of becoming a big deal i feel like (laughs) 100 subscribers thank y'all so much for subscribing to the show man that's that's awesome but but if anybody out there is a writer and they want to they want to they have a need or they want to write something shoot it over i mean we're we're open to putting articles up that are that are good and promoting the faith. I mean, we're not going to put anything crude out there, obviously, but, um, but got a hey, big week, got a big week coming up this week, man. Big event. I was, I was about to say for our listeners as well, be sure to our subscribers, 
be sure to be on the lookout on the 27th. We're going to put out our interview that we had with Cameron O'Hearn Mass from of the, the Ages. Massive Agents because that comes out the 26th. So check it out on the 26th and then come check out our interview with Cameron Hearn on the 27th. I know this sounds biased, but it was a good interview. It was a lot of fun. It, it was, was a lot, lot of fun. fun. Yeah. Uh, Mass of the Ages episode two comes out on the 26th. If you guys heard Fantastic. our uh, back now, back in the days when we were just an audio podcast, we did our review of episode one and episode one blew me away. I mean, I've always, I, I, one of the things I've always thought is that the traditional Latin mass is so visually and auditorily arresting, right? I mean, it grabs your attention. And I was, I always thought, man, somebody should make a movie about this. But I, I certainly ain't the guy to do that. I don't know anything about movie making or anything. And I, and I was thinking, plus anybody who would do it would be like me and not do a good job. Yeah. Cameron O'Hearn has done it and he has, he has made the movie that you've always wanted made about the traditional Latin mass. And, and that was episode one. And yeah, it was incredible. And, and anybody that, that may attend a Novus Ordo mass or whatever, or prefers that mass still view it because this is for you too. With, Without without getting into the specifics of it, you it's not one of those films where they just bash uh, Novus Ordo attendees. It's actually a well balanced, um, and, and he really does it. He really doesn't talk bad about anybody in the in the film. It's just a he just presents well, the facts. Throw, don't don't lay too much out. Yeah, no, no, I'm not. I'm just saying he just presents the facts and. Um, uh, Without any, I felt like there wasn't any bias in it. I thought he did a really good job. I thought it was an excellent job. It's a, it's a, it's a great, it's a story you need to know yeah. as a Catholic, you need to know. And yeah. well, I'm also going to go ahead and link uh, uh, episode one in the description of this episode. If you haven't seen episode one, you should go watch it. Massive ages episode one. It is um, watch it with your kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's incredible. It's incredible. Um, and if you, and if, even if you've already seen episode one, watch episode one before you watch episode two. Yeah. Rewatch it. Yeah. It's a, it's yeah. a, it's, they're really good back to back. Right <coughs> and we've also got, um, is Bishop Athanasius Schneider confirmed? I think he's confirmed. Yeah. Yeah. For January, for January the first. First. Yeah. So we'll air that episode the very next day. Uh, so that's going to be an exciting episode. I am, man, something that are, the sinuses are just, kicking out here in Houston. Um, yeah, I'm finding it hard to, hard to breathe in some cases. Uh, the, I've got the wife down with a, with a, a sinus infection. So I've been nursing her back to health and now it appears like I'm starting to be affected, which is not fun, but anyway, welcome to Houston weather. Oh, and, it, Houston, and it, Houston weather is the cause of 95% of my, illnesses i'm convinced it's it's not nice it's either it's either wet and cold or hotter than and it it, it, it it can change from day to day now uh we've also got an episode on father capon coming up just in mm -hmm. time for father's day and that's going to be a fun when one it's father's day what day is it that is the uh, that's going to be Sunday, the 5th of June. And, and let's not forget as well that uh, the month of June is uh, dedicated to the sacred heart of Jesus, right? 
Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So, um, have you made your, um, your nine first Fridays, Jason? Uh, no, I, I was going to say, it either, I, but I've, I gotten, I've gotten close a couple of times and then I end up, something comes up or I have to travel or something. So, but well, try. Um, and then I'm, I'm working on something, Jason, you don't even know about this cause this has kind of been going on behind the scenes, but I don't know if it's going to happen yet. I'm trying to get an interview with one of the, uh, app with the Abbot over at, uh, clear Creek monastery. But the thing about these cloistered monks is they're, they're not, they don't usually do stuff like that, you know? So, um, yeah. but I had the idea, I wanted to go do a pilgrimage up there and then kind of bring my cell phone along to take some video and sort of document yeah. my experience for an episode. Um, and I thought while I was there, it might make a good opportunity for us to possibly interview. Cause I'd love to get some vocations directors on here for traditional Catholic uh, religious orders and societies of apostolic life. I'd love to get yeah. some religious sisters uh, awesome. to talk about the vocation of women religious uh, in this, in this new evangelization. Cause that's well, a story me, that doesn't get talked about enough. I think I might, I, I might be able to reach out to some, some group I should say okay. um, that, that I know of that I've had, I guess my daughters have an interaction with a little bit. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I've speaking of that, I've, uh, my, my oldest daughter and uh, a couple of her friends, I don't, I don't think they've started it yet, but they were actually talking about, uh, or they're trying to get a group started where basically, and then these girls are like 13, 14 years old where they, they will have a, 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 I believe a sister come in and kind of direct them. But basically, uh, basically the, the gist of it is they're going to start discerning what their vocation in life is, whether Beautiful. or not they want to, you know, God is calling them to Beautiful. be a sister or married life or, you know, religious life. Um, and I just tell my daughter, cause I know she, she loves babies. She wants to have kids and, and she wants to be married one day, but I, but I tell her, you know, I said, that's, that's all great. And I'm not, swaying you one way or another the only thing i ask is that you be open to what god is calling you to do right. even if it's not what you necessarily think you want to do or should do you know if if you feel god is calling you to religious life but you really want to have babies trust god and do do what god god is calling you to do because we need we need those people we also need good mothers so obviously be open to that i mean she's already open to that but um, well, the, and the reason like I did two years in a religious house of formation right out of high school was because, you know, my grandmother told me God gets the first shot, got to give God the first shot. And I didn't have a vocation to the priesthood. So I, I, I wasn't, I didn't continue with formation. I didn't profess and I, and I wasn't ordained and, and that's the way it was supposed to be. But I don't look back on my experience as something as like a waste of time or anything like that. It was uh, in fact, there's a lot of things I learned in my in fostering a spiritual life as during my two years as a novice that I still do to this very day, the praying of the breviary um, yeah. and, um, and things like that. But yeah, no, that she's on the right track. She's sure her head's in the right place. It sounds like. Well, uh, going back to the Clear Creek Abbey, I know that last year we had one of the cabins rented out me and we were going to go, but we ended up having to cancel still want to go up there and do it. But I know they have that pilgrimage that ends 
in uh yes. in Tulsa that ends in Clear Creek Abbey. I can't remember what month it is off the top of my head. It's three hearts and that's in October, I think. October. It is. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know how far out you weren't you, you were thinking about that episode, but I mean there's a possibility we could do the pilgrimage. Oh, I if definitely you, want to do the pilgrimage too. Yeah. If yeah. if you can get one of the abbots to talk to us, maybe you we do the pilgrimage and we do that and it's kind of like a two-part episode or something like that. I don't yeah. know, just an idea. Yeah, yeah. I'd still like to do like a like a like a like a either just either go myself or have or you and me to go together and just do like a weekend kind of retreat, one of yeah. those self-guided retreats and just kind of document what that's like so you know if other people wanted yeah. to do something like that they might um because i've never been to see when I, I our our community was we were religious but we weren't monastics so yeah. i've never done anything like uh, a benedictine retreat or anything like that so i think that would be pretty cool and then i i, I would love to do an episode on the three hearts yeah pilgrimage too so Maybe we get Trent Horn to come on and talk to us about yeah, that. Yeah, come on, Trent. <laughs> um, yeah, that's all I got, man. That's an hour and thirty-two. Um, yeah, that's all. That's all I got. Like I said, I just we didn't have anything planned. We were just we just wanted to give you all some content, check in with y'all, let you know. I still like these episodes where we just get on here and just yeah. sh- shoot the bull. That's kind of fun. Yeah, I don't know if anybody else likes listening to it, but. I mean, I mean, this was originally what our concept of the podcast was. That's just, yeah. Like, like most of the early episodes were just this, Uh, just yelling in the internet, hoping somebody might listen. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, and somebody did, we have one listener in Italy and I think we know it's Pope Francis. We know that convinced Uh, it's the only, it's the only rational explanation when you think about it. All right, guys. Well, that's all I got. Um, we do pray that our sister Nancy Pelosi comes back into the fold. It's not a good thing that she's out. Uh, but I, I do believe that the Archbishop's actions were correct and justified and were, were I, it was good to see him take a stand, you know, and yeah, look, I the mean, world and the, and the walls didn't come crashing down and everybody's still okay. So, you know, prelates out there, if you, Pray for, yeah, pray for her and all our pro-life politicians, including the president, and also pray for ourselves, you know, that we... You mean our pro-choice politicians? Yeah, yeah, did I forget to say that part? You said, you said pray for our pro-life politicians like the president. Or pro-choice, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's okay. Pro-choice, yeah. I guess, I guess I was hoping, hope, you know, it's one of those, oh, he's pro-life. Freudian slip, slip Yeah, something like that. Um. I, I really don't understand what what it is about this that has become such a cause to celeb. Honestly, it just seems like even I've met people who legitimately disagree with me and maybe they feel like, yeah, there should be limitations. I don't know what the limitations are and I think abortion's terrible, but uh, I can see that. I mean, that's one thing. And I think those people are still in error. Don't get me wrong, but I, I think I can see that they're at least trying to get to the moral center of the issue. But then yeah. there's people out there who are just like, I've had 27 abortions and I'm proud of them. And I just think that's just psych- evil psychopath alert. I no. mean, I mean, that's just, <laughs> that's just demonic. And it, it is very cool. Yeah. The fact that you're, a, proud she's, of that is she's either lying, which is a weird thing to lie about, but like, even well, like, not, 
Not really, because you're gonna get the likes. That's what that's what everybody's about today is the likes. Yeah. I, and but let's take it for real. I mean, a soldier who kills who's had to kill 27 people in combat, and these are not good people that got killed, let's say. Let's say these were Al-Qaeda terrorists, right? He's gonna come home. And he's not going to be on the internet talking about, I killed 21 people and I loved it. No, yeah. nah, man, these guys go through a lot of mental health issues after that because how, how many of these war veterans, it takes you, a piece of your soul with you, dude. When, when Pete, when you try to talk to these old war veterans, a lot of them won't even talk to you about they it. They ain't talking about that. No. And that's not because they're ashamed of what they did or, or anything like that. They did what, uh, they they did what had to be done in a horrible situation that exists because of original sin. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's disturbing to have to, I, I mean, Jason, I remember one time I was driving home and there was a, there was, had been an accident just before I had gotten to this intersection and it was a fatality. And they, there was the, the, the sheet was over the guy, but yeah. his arm <clears throat> fell out of the sheet and I saw just the arm of a man who was obviously dead. I didn't sleep for three days, man. Really? I mean, that, that that's the normal, you know, when people see a dead body, it's disturbing. Yeah. When somebody m- murders 27 of her own children and gets a talk show, that's weird, man. That's not a person. I Don't go hunting with that person. That's all I can tell you. Um, yeah, it's just... It, 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 it's I don't know it's it's crazy and who <clears throat> was it was it Saint Athanasius that refused communion to like one of the kings or emperors was it Saint Athanasius I'm trying to remember that know. story I don't know where like I think he walked out to the front door and wouldn't let him in till he confessed with the confession or whatever yeah it might not have been Saint Athanasius it was it, it was somebody around that time but uh, I I think about you know we, we talk about refusing Holy Communion just in these scenarios, I'm like, man, could you imagine the courage it took him to do that? And what people, what these, what these people would be saying today about him today, we praise him. And we're like, man, that was great. And then these same people will turn around and say, Oh, you can't do that. It's a political weapon. It's like, you're being hypocritical. No, because they don't believe in anything. That's the, I mean, that's the horrifying thing about sociopaths. They don't believe in anything. These are people who operate without conscience. They have zero capacity for remorse and they lack all forms of empathy, man. It's terrifying. <laughs> I, I, I can understand that there are people out there who they're not Catholic. They don't agree with the Catholic church's teachings. So they're, they would call themselves pro-choice, but they would agree that abortion's terrible, but you know, who am I to judge? And I don't like to make that. I agree. It's a difficult decision. I can see those people. And I, and I have yeah. met those people. Um, I, I, th- I do think they're in error. I want to be clear about that, but I can at least respect that they are trying to grapple with the moral issue here. They understand that it's not just a clump of cells. It's, it's bigger than that, you know? So at least in that sense, you can have a conversation with those people, but these people who are out here, you know, I can't wait to have my next abortion. And it's like, oh, child. Or or what really what kills happened? me is the yeah. thank God for abortion. I'm like, you, well, you need to tread lightly saying that. Well, but the, that's the problem is the God that they're talking about is themselves. So it, in their heads, it doesn't, it, there's no contradiction. You and, know. you know, 
I might have been wrong. I think it might have been St. Ambrose that did that. I'm trying to find the the story. Um, well, they killed they killed St. Thomas Becket because he excommunicated the king. Yeah. The king had committed a murder and a sacrilege and was unrepentant for having done so and was free about the land. And Thomas Becket, uh, St. Thomas Becket excommunicated him and then suffered the martyrdom. <clears throat> yep. Okay, so it was St. Ambrose. It says that he uh, publicly publicly denied communion to the Emperor Theodosius. Hmm. So, and if I remember the story right, he stood at the door, basically, wouldn't let the emperor in. I mean, imagine that. Imagine the courage that took, like, like you've got an emperor who could put you to death if he chose. Yeah. And you're standing at the door saying, nope, you need to go. You need to go confess your sins before you're allowed admittance to Holy Communion. Yeah, it's very, I mean, this is, look. It's funny to me that everybody's afraid to go to confession, but communion they'll show up to. If you could look at the spiritual reality behind the sacraments, you would be way more terrified to go to communion than you would be. To go well, the to confession. well, the the problem is the churches today don't they don't look like confession is a priority. Oh, we've got confession from five thirty to six thirty on Wednesdays, or and by appointment. By appointment, and and, and and you'll see a church of seven thousand parishioners, right? Yeah, everybody's going to communion, but when you go to that confession one time a week, there's maybe fifty people there. Now, I now granted, I can't judge people's souls and actions, but the numbers, the statistics don't line up, and and ultimately, God is the judge of that, right? Because I can't, I can't see into their souls, into their heart. But, but you're playing a dangerous game with your playing, salvation. But the the church is also, I don't feel like, and when I say the church, I mean just like the local parishes and stuff. Doesn't seem like they've put a part when you look in their bulletins and you go to their confession times. There's not a high priority on that. I mean, they'll have 80 Eucharistic ministers making sure everybody gets served, but they'll give you 30 minutes a week for confession. I get the sense that that's gotten a little better. What's that? The, 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 the confession situation in the Nova Sordo churches. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but like I it know. seems, I, and give me. I haven't been to a Novus Ordo parish in a long time, but the last time I was in one was one of these where they're half and half, you know, Reverend Novus Ordo and traditional Latin mass. Oh yeah. So that may not be a good sample. Well, I mean, it's just, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and like I said, I've, um, I like at our parish how if you want to go to confession, you almost got open access to it. It seems like you go, you go to mass, you're going to have at every mass. There's confession going on with, because we have two priests. One of them's always in confession during that time. I know at the end of the day, those priests are wore out from oh, mass yeah, and listen to confession yeah. all day. Yeah. And, 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 and the thing about at our parish, at least that line is almost, especially if you go to eight and 10 30 mass, that line is like, like it's snaked all around and they had to send out a bullet or, or an email and they put in the bulletin too, that at this time, you know, I think it was from 12 to one confession was going to stop. So fathers had time to eat. So the lunch. priest could eat lunch. Yeah. Because, because they were going well past. I mean, people, Man. people are, are just, you know, going in there, confessing their sins, not, you know, 
not I should say nonstop, but with long lines. And it's just, it's actually a really beautiful sight to see that these many people care to confess their sins. They see the importance of this. You know, and, and I, I bet there's a lot of people who think, boy, it would be really great to go back uh, to the to the biblical times to see Jesus perform a healing. Become Catholic, and you can see one every time you want, because that's what's happening at confession. It's a, it's not actually Father Van Fleet who's forgiving my sins. He doesn't have any authority to forgive my sins. Yeah. It's Jesus. Acting Father, Van, Father Van Fleet is acting in persona Christi. So it's Christ that is telling me, go, your sins are forgiven. Yeah, I was going to say, when you when you hear him say, your sins are forgiven. I abso- yeah, I, I yeah, absolve you. The, the I is not Father Van Fleet. No. It's Jesus of Nazareth. It's I was going to say, what you should be hearing is Jesus talking to you through that through that uh, through that priest. Yeah, that's why that's why it's uh, the screen is there. You're not supposed to see the priest. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, actually, I never considered that, but yeah, because I know I know if if you go to confession and know it's order, you have the option now, right? You can right. sit face to face, or you can. Um, which, when I first converted, I did I did it a couple of times, but just. My preference, it felt weird to me, like looking at looking at them. And then sometimes, you know, they for the people that are watching, they'd be sitting in the corner. They'd just be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it was like, you know, it, it just felt weird talking to somebody with their eyes closed and just, you know, I know they didn't mean anything by it. It just, it felt weird. And talk about, you know, irreverence to the sacraments. Go back and look at the Bible at when, when the chief priests got really mad with Jesus out of all the things that he did and all the things he said, the thing that infuriated them is when he said, go, your sins are forgiven. Cause only God went, can forgive. And they went, who the heck, uh, foul on the play <laughs> because only God can forgive sins and sins can only be made. You can only be repaired for sins at the temple. You got to go to the temple and make your sacrifice according to the law of Moses. This Jesus person is walking around talking like he believes he's the temple because he's the temple. But understand when, when the priest utters those words, he's uttering words that should cause a scandal because is, is very controversial to you go, you know, I absolve you of your sins in the name of the father and the son of the Holy ghost. And if it's not, if it, if that isn't true, then it's a scandal to say that. But if it is, then it's one of the most important things that you can yeah. do in your entire life. That's all I got. Well, we said that 30 minutes ago, 20 minutes ago. <laughs> all right. I'm wrapping it up for real here. Uh, until next time, everybody take good care of yourselves, take good care of each other. And remember, uh, life is short, but it's short. It's life is short. Life is hard, but it's harder when you don't pray the rosary. God bless everyone. And may, and may our lady keep each and every one of you. God bless. Bye-bye.